that in mind, I want to, uh, I want to share with you some things that the Lord has laid on my heart as it regards Acts 27, which at first view for many of us may seem to hold very little. Because Acts 27 deals with travel by ship from one side of the country to the other side. Many of us don't think that we travel today along those same routes. But the purpose of this morning's lesson is to get us to understand that we're not so far removed from Acts chapter 27. And basically, the topic sentence of our lesson today is found in the 21st through the 38th verses of Acts chapter 27. I'm going to ask that you go on over there and pinpoint those passages. We'll start around verse 20 and we'll go through verse 38. I'm going to try to move on through this as quickly as possible because so much is looming today and there's so much uh, we need to get done. I want to thank you again for studying with us as we study. Acts chapter 27, beginning with verse 20. Now, while you're getting there, I want to say this to you. I'm going to talk to you this morning about God stretching us past our limits. God stretches us past our limits. And stretching us past our limits to cope is what God does. And sometimes he uses a crisis to bring us close and to draw a crowd even along with us to him. In other words, often good comes out of bad. I think all of us have learned by this time in our lives that something unpleasant must take place in many instances before we can enjoy the good outcome. Have you found that to be the case? The Lord has to bring us to a certain point where we have been stretched beyond our comfort zone so that he can show us something. Now, from what I've witnessed, a woman goes through much discomfort in giving birth, but the product is worth the discomfort. Would you say? All of that pain and discomfort you suffer is worth it when they take that child and lay him on your stomach. And you get to look down at this new human being that you've had a part in producing. Well, living the Christian life is much like that. Because we live under the providential care of God. Now, I, I, I've repeated this for a few Sundays, and I want you to hear it again. Obviously, it has taken every act and experience in your life to bring you to where you are right here today. 
everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I want you right now to take a minute and think about what that means for you. Take a panoramic view of your life. Think about the good and the bad and the ugly of your life that has brought you to this day. And when you're finished thinking about that, I want you to know that all of it was God's providential will for your life to bring you to the present moment. The stuff you didn't like, the stuff you did like, the times when you were in bad straits and didn't understand how you were going to make it. The times when you may have had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you had reached your wit's end. I want you to understand that God is involved personally with your life. I know you may have been thinking that you've been living this thing by yourself. But when you take a moment to look back over your experiences and where God has brought you from, it ought to be impossible for you to walk away thinking that you've been calling all the shots in your life. And there was a time, if we are honest, that all of us thought that we were making some things happen. Only to find out that you have made anything happen. That has all happened because of God who steers us through this life to bring us to where he would have us to be. And just as we could not have foreseen this day, we cannot foresee what God has in store for us in the future. But we can be sure of this, that everything that happens to us God is working it out, all of it for our good. Have there been times in your life when you couldn't identify God in your situation? Where things were going so terrible that you asked yourself, God, where are you? I need you. Well, sometimes God is in the storm that you're experiencing. And that's what Acts 27 is all about. It's, it's about a voyage, but it's about a whole lot more than a voyage on the sea. We know that there are a few things as awesome to experience as a stone. It always amazed me that those ships, as large and as heavy as they are, once they get out into the sea, the sea tossed them like they are just a box of penny matches. This huge ship, maybe with a thousand people on it, when it's out in the body of the sea, tosses it and turns it like it's not very heavy at all. And you know, this, this, this voyage in Acts chapter 27 has a lot to, has a lot to teach us because we see the hand of God in the voyage. Now, let me help you to understand this. Not all sailing is done on the water. Not all storms 
or experienced at sea. Not all trouble is unto death because God is working with us. But I first want you to understand that I believe that our disbelief in the fact that God can do anything. Matthew says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, with men, these things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That means the things we can't even begin to comprehend. The things that we've written off as beyond our ability to understand, they're not beyond God's ability to understand. Because he's capable of doing anything and everything to guide us to where he would have us to be. Now, let's deal with Acts chapter 27 and what it has there for us today. It's one thing to endure a storm in a building on land. It's quite another to be in the midst of a storm in the Mediterranean Sea. And that's what we find happening in Acts chapter 27 as Paul and some other prisoners and a total of 276 people are aboard this ship headed to Italy. Not just for one or two hours, but the Bible says for 14 days they were blown across the sea in that storm. Just in the last few weeks we've experienced flooding, some of which like we've never seen before in our area. It's amazing that you can go to, to bed one day and wake up the next morning and your house could be half filled with water. No warning, it's just there. Well, this is kind of what those who were traveling with Paul to Italy experienced. We're in an era now where we're dealing with this coronavirus. People are starting to run scared, but there's no sense in running scared, folks. God is still in charge. It's not the virus that's in charge. It's God that's in charge. And God is bigger than any flooding and any coronavirus. If you look with me to verse 20, we'll move on and make some of the lessons apparent that are apparent in this particular chapter. Let's begin with verse number 20. The Bible says that as they were traveling, 276 people now, I want you to try to place yourself in that number on that boat. The Bible says, Luke says in verse 20, now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. 276 people. All hope that they would be saved is given up. You can't get much lower than hopelessness. I don't know if you've ever been near hopelessness, but when you're at hopelessness, there is nothing you can see that will help your situation. These seasoned sailors knew the chances of survival at this point. This boat has been tossed and turned for 14 days. 
in a storm where the winds were so high, they were beginning to tear the boat apart. When they calculated the possibilities of getting out of this alive, they came up with zero. They were facing what they thought was sudden death because there was no way to get assistance out there in the middle of the Mediterranean. They had reached the end of the rope of their hope. Verse 20 doesn't tell us, but perhaps even Paul and his company were counted among those who lost hope of rescue. We don't know that. What we do know is that God let Paul in on his plane. Now, just imagine this now. Here are 276 people on this ship. And they're all filled with dread and hopelessness, thinking that any moment now, this ship will break up and sink to the bottom of the Mediterranean Sea, taking all of us with it. But right when all seems darkest, after all hope was finally given up, God sent an angel to Paul to tell him that they all will live through this. Now, he says the boat and the cargo, you're going to lose that. But every poor person aboard will be saved. Paul has a divine appointment with Caesar, you see, and God is going to see to it that he keeps it. Not only this, but God has graciously allowed that all those on the ship with Paul will be spared as well. You ever get on a mode of transportation, especially an airplane? Some of my preaching friends and I used to joke about this. We said, if folk ought not be scared when I get off, they ought to be, they ought to be scared. They ought, they ought to be scared not when I get on, but when I get off. And it's coming out of this passage here. The Lord said to Paul, in essence, because of you, I'm going to save everybody on this ship. Uh -huh. Sometimes when we walk into a situation, God walks in with us. And he saves those who are around us because of us. Here's a perfect example. You don't know how God is using you. In your life, you need to pay attention to how God is steering you through this world. He has Paul in the midst of other prisoners and other folk who really don't care about him. But the Lord says, Paul, because of you, I'm going to spare everybody on this ship. How often is it we've seen a few who will be the salvation of the many? Now, that's good news to us. I mean, if I was traveling and I was worried and I had been out in the midst of the Mediterranean being tossed by the, by the waves and the wind for 14 days, I'd be scared too. And so would you. And if God has given us the ability to believe in him, it's times like this when God shows up and shows us who he is. Now, I want, you to, I want to remind you that Paul, before this trip ever took place, Paul said, 
before he told them that the Lord was going to deliver them, he said, first I want to remind you that you should have listened to me earlier. Paul said, I told you when we left Crete that we needed to hold on. We needed to wait a few days, but you in your haste, see, they thought, Paul, you're not a sailor, Paul. You don't know nothing about sailing. You may know something about preaching, but you don't know nothing about sailing. And we are seasoned sailors. And when you said to us, hold up a few days, we said to ourselves, you don't know what you're talking about. But as they are out there in the storm, Paul tells them, don't worry, the Lord has appeared to me and told me that nobody's going to lose their life. He says, now, I know some of you, see, why would they believe Paul? See, the angel only appeared to Paul. Paul goes back to deliver the message to those who are on the ship. And you can imagine that they're looking at Paul like, what do you know? You're on the ship with the rest of us. You're a prisoner for God's sake. Stay out. Can you see some of us saying, stay out of my sailing business and stick to what you do. You preach. You don't sail ships. So when you get on the ship, keep your mouth closed. Paul said, you should have listened to me before we left. They didn't want to hear that. But now they're out in the storm. And Paul says, well, since you went on anyway, I want to give you three pieces of information that's going to help you through this trip. So there are three interventions that Paul follows and presents to them in verses 21 through 38. And in so doing, he instills in them hope and courage and dependence on God's provision in times like these. Listen, verse 21 through 26. And when they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. And yet, now I urge you to keep up your courage for there shall be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood before me saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep your courage up. Men, Paul says, I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I had been told. But we must run aground, he says, on a certain island. Now, you're talking to people about having courage when they're at the end of their rope. When they have lost all hope, they are in a hopeless situation. In other words, they've tallied up the cost and they can't think of anything else they can do to save their own lives. So everybody on that ship is so concerned about whether or not they're getting ready to die that nobody has been eaten. It's amazing, isn't it, that when you're in trouble, you don't want to eat. You could have been starving before you got in trouble. 
headed somewhere to get somewhere to eat. But if they pull you over and get ready to take you to jail, all of a sudden, you lose your appetite. You got other things on your mind. You're worried. Who can I call? What can I do? Because there is nothing you can come up with that's going to answer the situation. Paul, knowing this, used the opportunity to invite them to be of good cheer. Paul says, because I've talked with the Lord whom I serve, and every one of you is going to be saved. How important do you think it is to receive messages of hope to encourage us when we face the storms in our lives. I know sometimes it sounds corny, doesn't it? When people have lost somebody, somebody you love, and people come up to you and put their hands around your shoulders and say, don't worry, be of good cheer. Everything is gonna be all right. When your children with that disobedient, hard-headed self, you can't do anything with them, and you can't see any light at the end of the tunnel. The Lord says, just hold on. See, sometimes the Lord sends you hard-headed children so you can go through what you put your folk through. You're going to reap what you sow. And if you are a problem for your folk, chances are good that your children are going to be a problem for you. It's not coincidental, folk, that Paul finds himself in jail quite a bit. You know why? Because that's what Paul did to God's people. He traveled persecuting the church, throwing people in jail, having folk beaten, threatening their lives. And isn't it something that God brings him to a ministry that causes him to have to go to jail? to be beaten, to have his life threatened because you're going to reap what you sow as God guides you through this world. Don't think you can take a shortcut and fool God and get around the consequences of your actions. God says you're going to pay for what you've done. Don't be deceived, Paul says in Galatians 6-7. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Sometime before you leave this earth, God is going to guide you through a path that's going to allow you and me to suffer the consequences of what we've laid out in our lives. What you've done to folk, folk going to do to you. That's why we have to be so careful how we live, folk. And how we deal with people because what you put out there is coming right back to your door. Don't knock on it one door. Here's Paul on the way to Italy. And the Lord is putting him through everything he's put Christians through. But let me tell you the good part. Paul used this set of circumstances to do what people wouldn't ordinarily do. See, a lot of times Christians who have done the same things that other people are dealing with, refuse to see their part and how they can help. God may allow you to go through something so that you can minister to other people about what you've been through. 
So sometimes the best people to teach our young folk are not those who've been married all their lives. They're good too. But sometimes you need folk who messed up. Whose path didn't go to grandma's house. Their path led them into the woods. And they were accosted by wolves. Well, God, we can't just throw those people away. The church looks at those kind of people and say, hey, you ain't so-and-so teaching class. Not her. Not him. His life is as, just as raggedy as a can of sauerkraut. Even those people have a place in the provisional and providential will of God to teach you something. And to teach me something. And, and as long as we keep turning those people away from us. Sometimes people who can't even speak the English language well. Have a message that you can understand. If you stop for a minute. And just give them an ear. Oh these people didn't respect Paul. He was a prisoner. What you know. The Bible says the Lord told him. Not only am I a prisoner, but I'm the reason God is going to spare you. You never know when the Lord is touching your life so that you can touch some other folks' life. I don't know about you, but if I had been on that boat of 276 and we arrived in a place safe and sound, I'd be calling you time I get on dry land saying, you got to listen to this. I've been through something that you need to hear about. And that's the encouragement that we give one another. Those who've lost somebody dear to them. There's somebody here who knows what they're dealing with. You may not know their folk, but you know the feeling of what they're dealing with. You learn how to sympathize and how to empathize with folk. So every time somebody loses somebody, there's somebody else on the ship with you who can speak to your life or it may be the one that you don't want to hear nothing from because you at your wits end with them but sometimes when we're at our wits end that's a place where God takes us that's a teachable moment when you don't know what to do or which way to go. And these folk were on this boat, they didn't have very many choices. Then as they traveled, the Bible says they got to a certain place and the soldiers, some of the soldiers on the ship were trying to get off. They had already dropped two or three weights from the stern of the ship. That's the back portion of the ship. And when they reached a certain place, you, you're going to always have people in the crowd who no matter what the man of God tells them, going to take issue with it. Remember, these are people who had lost all hope. If you're sitting in the church today and you have gone through stuff that has caused you to lose all hope, you're at the moment of a teach. This is a teaching moment for you. When you're standing on the edge of everything you care about and you're ready to fling yourself over, that's the moment at which God intervenes. 
And what I want you to appreciate about God is he'll let us go to our wit's end. He didn't show up before they were at their wit's end. The Bible says when they all had reached their wit's end and had given up, their lives are over. Some of them are probably praying, Lord, receive me into your kingdom. But just at that moment, at the darkest moment, you ever had a dark moment? When you've been praying for something to come and the day is there for it to happen and it ain't happened yet. And not only have you been counting down the hours, but now you're counting down the minutes and the seconds before this boot is going to fall on you. If you've ever been near that place, that's where God enters. Stage right, stage left. God enters, and he enters through somebody. He intervenes through somebody. And it's amazing that God has to continue taking us to this place of no return, it seems, before we get ready to listen to him. Some of us are not going to listen to him as long as we got enough money. You might as well know that now. Some of us are not going to listen to him as long as we're in power somewhere. Some of us are not going to listen to him until he has taken everything we have. And we can't see no other way. That's when we get quiet and we start listening. These folk had stopped eating. You ever stop eating? And then you get quiet and get real meditation related. Let me see if I can heal God. Well, you done tried everything else. You can't go no way but up. But the Bible says as Paul encouraged these people, look at the, look at the result that it brought. It brought those people on the ship to a point where they could praise God themselves. You don't ever know what your actions, the, the, the effect of your actions on other people. Let God lead you, folks. Isn't it great that God knows how much we need encouragement? And he supplies it. Let me give you one other situation, and, and we'll be to our concluding. Let, let me ask you to turn to Psalm 107, 23. Turn to Psalm 107. This could be used as a sister passage for Acts chapter 27. I want you to look at this. I want you to listen to this because some profound stuff is in here. Beginning with verse number 24. Well, let's begin with 23. Psalms 107, 23. See if this doesn't sound familiar. The psalmist says, those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, talking about those who sail, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and raised up a stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea that they rose up to the heavens. They went down to the depths and then here's the people now, here's the sailors, here's the effect on the sailors. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's 
in. Now here's what I want you to pay attention to. Who spoke and raised up a stormy wind? God. What did it do to those sailors? They melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like a drunken man and were at their wit's end. In other words, they've been out on the sea and seen what it's like to be at your wit's end about who's going to save you. But here's the important thing. Who spoke a stormy wind into existence? God did it. So when you're busy complaining about the storms in your life, you need to understand that God did it. Remember, God is the one who has brought them to this point. He has done this for some of us as well. You see, he knows that we need to get into this place at the end of our wits from time to time. Because it's at that place that he shows us something that maybe we've never seen before. At the end of our wits is a great and teachable moment. So here they were, so low. But now, Paul says to him, after he tells them what God has told him, the Bible says Paul pulled out some food and began to eat. And when they saw him of good cheer and comfort and courage, then the rest of them started to eat. And as a result of what they were experiencing, they praised God. They praised God. So I want you to understand today that now, here's the last thing I want you to, to see. Those Romans on board that ship didn't care anything about Paul. But they had reached a place where they didn't believe that what Paul was saying to them about what God had told him was true. So they went out on the ship, the Bible says pretending that they were going to let down some more anchors on the bow of the ship. Now they've already let down anchors on the, bow, on the hind part of the ship. Now several of them come up with this grand notion that we're going to go to the front of the ship and let down some more anchors there. But that's not what they really wanted to do. They wanted to get in the lifeboat and take off themselves. It's amazing how when you're in storms, people forget about all the things that used to matter to them. And they'll even forget about you. You, you, you be on a ship that's going down if seeing folk won't drown you trying to save themselves. Get into a bad predicament and see if some folk won't tell you to just throw up your hands and give up. That's what Job's wife told him. Job, I wouldn't keep going through all this stuff you're going through. Haven't you had friends who have the audacity to come to you and say, I wouldn't take that. Or I wouldn't take this. And you follow them home and they take it, everything you take it and more. But they can tell you I wouldn't put up with it. Here are these soldiers going out there lying. We're going to go out here and drop some more anchors. But they were really trying to steal away in the lifeboat. 
And when Paul saw what was happening, he said, okay, you can do what you want to do, but I'm going to tell you this. He told the centurion, the man who was over all those soldiers, he said, unless those men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. In other words, you're in charge of them. They're trying to sneak down here and get away on the lifeboat. He said, you tell them that if they don't stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. And the Bible says when they heard that, they cut the lifeboat. You know something is going on when the soldier cut the lifeboat and let it float away. You got some faith when you're in a storm and you cut the lifeboat. Some of us need to cut the lifeboat. Oh, you're in a storm and you know you're in a storm, but you got a lifeboat. You think you got a card up your sleeve. You got an ace. You waiting to play. You got that one person that you don't call on until you really, really, really need somebody. Only this time you call them and they ain't available. Now what you do? You got to go to the one who said, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the day. Folks, God leads us through some things that we can't fix by ourselves. And he leads us through them so that we'll understand we can't fix it by ourselves. And when we throw up our hands and surrender to him, then he fixes things. He fixes things for us in our lives. He cuts the lifeboat. And when you do that, you're waiting for some help. You're waiting for some help. So here's what I say to you as we end. I believe at times that our disbelief prevents us from understanding that much more is available to us than we ask for. And in so doing, we underestimate the power of God to do anything. Even things that are, we deem impossible. So, when you have reached your wit's end over some storm in your life, you should know that God did it. You want to be mad with somebody? Be mad with God. You want to be mad with God for the spouse he sent you? Well, he may send that person to you to teach you something. And to teach you how to deal with other folk in your life. When you reach your wit's end dealing with hard-headed, disobedient children, and you're asking God, Lord, why me? You should know that God did it. God saw fit to give you those hard-headed children to teach you a lesson about yourself. When you've lost someone dear to you, you need to understand that God did. God did. You want to be anxious with somebody? You're anxious with God because God has led you through that. Not only has he led you through it, but you needed it to come to right now. To come to right now. When you've been shipwrecked, on the sea of life, you need to understand that God did it. Anything you don't like, God did it. Look beyond that to what he's trying to show you 
about you. And you'll come understand that all that God wants to do for us is to save us. When you stop doubting it, you'll find, according to Romans 8, 28, that he does everything he does for our good. Sometimes he takes us through jail for our good. Can you understand that? Sometimes, because he can't bring the prisoners to you, he puts you where the prisoners are. That's what he did with Paul. And before Paul left there, he had influenced people in such a way that when they came to a certain place, the Bible says the centurion who was in charge, Julius, didn't tell all the prisoners, told Paul, you are free to go and visit your brothers and sisters while we are here. Paul was a trustee prisoner. He was released on what detail? Because the Bible doesn't say everybody was let go. He let Paul go. See how God works. Even though he put him in prison, he put somebody there who would take care of him. That's the way God does. Sometimes he puts you in the hospital and lets you see who really cares. Sometimes he puts you flat on your back so the only way you can look is up. And when it happens, you remember this. God did it. God did it. Thank God for God. I want to leave that with you this morning. But I want you to understand that God cares more about us than we care about ourselves. And he guides us through this life with precision. Oh, it ain't all pretty sometimes. Sometimes it's ugly. I asked the class on Wednesday night, think about what you had to go through to end up with who you end up with. Think about the things that had to happen in your life for you to end up in the present situation. Whether you divorced, whether you are just single, whether you had somebody and now you're single, all of that means something, folks. The Lord has allowed people to cross our path and then we see the importance of them later on in life. Or there's some situation you ought to be able to look back on this morning and say, all the time, that was God? Yes! In the ugliness that I received, yes! He's trying to teach you how to deal with ugly. Can't teach you how to deal with ugly without you being surrounded by ugly. We want to travel the high ground. But sometimes God's way take you through the valley. Mm. But there's a lesson to be learned in the valley that you must learn before you can enjoy being on the top of the mountain. I hope you can hear this this morning. 
because God is pulling for you to come out right now and acknowledge that you thought you've been running some things just like that big old ship that pulls out from the harbor think it's all that in a bag of chips only to get out a little too far and God just takes the wind and just toss it. You may think you have it all together, but believe me, God can speak a storm into your life that will show you you ain't got nothing together. You ain't running nothing. Submit yourself to him. Raise the flag. Surrender! Drop your weapons. Put your hands behind your back. Surrender! And let God have his way. If you're here this morning and your faith will allow you to repent and confess, you're in a good place. You don't have to tell us about it. Tell God about it. And if you're not in the body of Christ, you need to accept this. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to believe that he is the Savior of your soul. But in order for you to be saved, you must express that faith through your willingness to be baptized and added to the body of Christ. According to Acts chapter 2, verse 38. If you hear this morning, you're subject to this message. Now is the time.